Hi, I'm George Tekmachov here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson for Easton Target Podcast number to be determined. I think it's 137. I think it's 137. You know, I, I did have to edit in the uh, David Letterman style edit because I did get it wrong last time. You were right. Yeah. I was wrong. I've been oh. saying that a lot lately. You notice that? Then it was definitely, it's definitely 137 this time. Yes, I think it is. But, you know, I, I hope you're getting some satisfaction out of the fact that you're keeping me, uh, you know, in line. I am always satisfied with that and stuff. I figured. Hey, the Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games are settled as far as who's going, except, as we're about to find out from our quick discussion here with Tom Dillon, except for three countries. Two shooters have not shot minimum qualifying scores. And there's a bit of Sturm und Drang, drama in New Zealand. Uh, we get into all that with Tom. And uh, we'll be talking to him in a moment. But Steve, what do you got going on this week? You, you've got an a ASA event, don't you? Yeah, I'm going to an ASA. So there's that. Are you excited? Um, not really. <laughs> i'm just not i just don't i'm not not pumped for whatever reason i think metropolis is like not my favorite of the asa venues even though it's the home of clark kent yeah it's i heard they have a statue they have a statue but is it clark Always kent or is it superman hot. which which one's the statue which one's it's, enshrined uh, definitely superman you suppose that we're getting to a point in our society now where we're going to have to take Superman statues down along with everything else? Probably have to cancel him. Yeah. Seems, yeah. seems along the lines of where we're at. So, yeah. You know, he's all about, you know, values that people don't seem to be all about. So, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, going back to Metropolis, it's just always, it seems to be that it's always flooded there. You know? Oh yeah. Well, and I doubt I don't that's like the case the, this year, is it? I, it might be, who knows? It, it, the place sits in kind of a low spot that I guess they intentionally flood depending on water levels and things like that. So I don't is know. That for, the whole is that for like agricultural irrigation or is it just, you know, I we need to put the know. water somewhere. So this is the good place for it. I think that's more what it is. So it's in the woods. It's a place where they have like duck hunting in the fall and things like that. So, but it just seems that's where when they have an excess of water, they, they try to direct it there. So I kind of happens in Yankton once in a while, once in a, once in a long while, they have some problems like that around Yankton, right? Yeah, but that's different. That's from the river itself. So I don't know what it is, but it seems like every time we're there, I'm in mud boots. And when you're in mud boots, instead of the round taking three hours, it takes five. So uh, yeah, not pumped about that. Yeah. Mud boots are not. Should not be required at archery events. We'll just leave it at that. Good stuff, though. I'm glad you're going, and I'm glad you're uh, going to have the experience of of hanging out with the, your 3D brethren. Yeah, it's always fun to you know do the shooting and see the folks and whatnot. And it's just, I hope I hope we have some conditions that are fun to shoot in. Absolutely, hope so too. Hope you have a great week there. Well, it's been a great weekend in Paris this past weekend, and um, as I mentioned, we're, we've got Tom Dillon on the line to talk to about 
all the happenings and the latest intel on the Olympic Games. And we're back on the Eastern Target Archery podcast with Tom Dillon, Secretary General of World Archery, right in the midst of the tournament going on in Paris. Tom, thank you for taking the time to join us. Pleasure, George. Tom, uh, it has been a tremendous uh, four days of archery uh, to have the final qualifying tournament for the Olympic Games. I cannot express how impressed I was with some of the performances, and I, I know you share some of that point of view. Absolutely. Uh, we saw some uh, fantastic shooting uh, the first two days with the teams and then the individuals yesterday, and, and well, there's some great stories to tell uh, for every one of those three days. Absolutely true. And in fact, uh, the World Archery Media team has done a great job telling many of those stories. And you can see those at worldarchery.sport. But one of the stories that's, you know, one that I'd like to pick out is the fact that besides the 72 archers who were able to qualify for the games by going through the team round process and, and winning slots for teams and therefore turning individual slots back over to you to to allocate for the individual final qualifying tournament, there are four athletes who get places to the Olympic Games by what is known as universality. That is the ongoing effort to have our sport be universal in terms of geography, gender, and the other factors that go into having a sport be a true Olympic sport like archery is. One of those deserving archers is Nicholas D'Amour, the man from the Virgin Islands, world ranked number nine, but ran into a little trouble during the individual qualification round. Um, you know, he was pretty much a favorite to win a quota place outright at the qualifier. He was certainly on my short list. But there's a guy from Moldova, Dan Oloru, who has consistently, since the 2012 Olympic Games, been really dangerous. <laughs> and so tell us um, a little bit about how that system works, where a shooter can, in the case of Nicholas, actually get a second chance to get into the Games. Well, basically, invitation places, as they're called now, because it used to be called uh, wildcards, but it's, uh, that was uh, the wrong term, I would say. Invitation places have been around since 1996, since we quota system was introduced. And, and like I say, it's, it's basically to make sure that the smaller NOCs, the smaller National Olympic Committees, and small uh, defined by the number of participants in average over the last two games, have a chance to be at the Olympic Games. And, and, and typically we would end up with Bhutan uh, or some other uh, countries that have uh, an interest in archery but are not necessarily highly performing. Now, first of all, Bhutan has, I would say, achieved this time the right to compete without an invitation place, which was a very good uh, thing to happen. And then uh, I must say, I'm, I'm really happy with the four uh, invitation places because this is the first time that we can say we're sending four people there that will be competitive. Uh, and uh, Nicola being, I would say, the most competitive of the four for sure. Uh, he's proven it by podiuming, uh, being on the medal podium uh, at events uh, already last year, this year. Uh, and he's uh, he just, I would say, uh, yesterday with individual qualification, he didn't have his day. We don't know why. But it wasn't his day, but 
anyway, he's there and all the other archers are quite happy that he will be in Tokyo because they start respecting him uh, because they understand how difficult it is for someone from a very small country to qualify for the Olympic Games. And uh, so absolutely everyone is in agreement. Then we have two athletes that were at the World Archery Excellence Center with Olympic Solidarities uh, uh, Scholarship, uh, Mandy Soto from Chad, who uh, confirmed her minimum qualification score over the last weekend and shot brilliantly at the uh, World Championships in Dombos. Uh, so did, she definitely also deserves a place. And, and, and uh, Araneo David, uh, who we know from Tokyo, uh, sorry, from uh, Rio, and uh, he was coached at that time by uh, Sally Park, uh, who everyone knows. And now he has been preparing at uh, the World Archery Excellence Center. And he has his ups and downs, but he had shot the MQS... Uh, uh, easily uh, in, in 2019, and uh, I'm pretty sure he will be uh, ready for for the games as well. And uh, and then the last one is a a young uh, uh, new archer from from Bangladesh. And and of course, when we think about Bangladesh, we think about Ruman, uh, who was the bronze medalist from uh, the um, uh, World Championships. And uh, well, he has now a, a, an ideal partner with him uh, to compete at the mixed team. And, and Diaz Siddique uh, was uh, with him on the podium, which was the first ever podium for Bangladesh at an international competition in Lausanne at the, the last World Cup stage. So I think the four are really, I would say, the best invitation places we've ever had. There's not going to be any discussion that these are, I would say, games tourists. Uh, these are people that have... Uh, the potential to do well and, and, and even, well, in mixed team, the, the two from Bangladesh uh, and, and Nikolai in individual, well, if they make it all the way to, to the podium, no one will be saying, who are they? Uh, they already know them and uh, we'll see. Everything can happen. You know, one of the, one of the points you made earlier is that <clears throat> people who've received invitation places such as Bhutan, have used that as fuel to level up. And we saw Miss Karma from Bhutan uh, be able to qualify for the Olympic Games for the first time, uh, you know, through the straight process of qualification. I expect that, uh, you know, you know, and I know, and of course, many of our listeners, that Bangladesh has had a lot of effort put in in the last few years. With yeah, Martin and they, they, also, they also used to get an invitation place in, in previous games, so... Another example that it's it's a step and then it allows people to qualify through the regular system in the future. And that's how it should be. Yes. And, and it shows that that system is working because we are seeing more competitive shooters from those countries now than we were 10 years ago. And, and so progress is being made. And in turn, that's inspiring other smaller countries to work harder to put the effort in to support the athletes. And it's exactly what the the purpose of this is really all about. So that's congratulations to those athletes from Bangladesh, from Chad, from Malawi, and from the U.S. Virgin Islands being able to go to Tokyo 2020 through uh, the Tripartite Commission. Remember, this is not just one person's decision. It comes from multiple sectors, multiple interest holders in the games, all of whom have the same goal, which is exactly the kind of result you're seeing now. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's a, it's a tripartite commission. So it's basically the Association of National Olympic Committees. It's the IOC and then World Archery as such. And our role is mainly to make sure that they have the level to compete. Whereas, of course, the IOC and the Association of National Olympic Committees is very much looking towards the universality. Tom, shifting our focus back to the process of having selected the last quota places for the Olympic Games, we saw um, Romania win the women's final qualifier individually, Madalina Amistrai, if I have that right. Uh, and that gave five countries the last individual quota places. Uh, they include Greece, Poland, the Czech Republic, Mongolia, and Romania with a spot in Yumenoshima. And, uh, you know, it's what's interesting is no Romanian woman had qualified for the Olympic Games before, which is surprising to me because they've had some strong shooters uh, here and there in the past in some European events. But, um, you know, I think they did compete in 1980, but uh, that was before the quota system. And um, so we don't see too many Romanian women in the Games, and now we, we have it. Well, I've been seeing them in the European Youth Cups uh, in the last few years, and then also, well, in Guatemala, she made it to the the, the top four. Uh, so it's it's not a hundred percent surprise that she did well. Uh, she was definitely among the outsiders. And then, okay, uh, we, I, I'm I'm very pleased for Mongolia because there was some discussion if Mongolia should have received the the the, the place for women as a result of the fact that they were the, the next one after uh, uh, DPA Korea at the Asian Games. So it's, it's, it's actually it falls perfectly in place that they got the last spot for, for uh, the women. Uh, so there's no discussion anymore if they should have received from the Asian Games or from this event. Uh, it's all crystal clear now. So that's, that's good news uh, for everyone concerned. And then what to say about Psara? Uh, she, she, she just delivered it. And, and uh, the, you know, a week ago, we wasn't sure she would be able to participate because there was an issue with the registration. We had to wait for another team to pull out to find a place for her. And then she comes and gets the place. Evangelia Psara is going to her sixth Olympics if she is selected to go by the Greek Federation. <clears throat> it is noteworthy that the these slots are one for their countries, not necessarily for the individual archers involved, while it is customary, of course, for those people who win those slots to be able to use them. It's not always 100% the case. And uh, Well, I can, I can confirm that it's Psara going, there's no discussion. Yeah, there's no, no, no question about Evangelia Psara going to her six Olympic Games, but I was just speaking in general terms. Yes. Um, Bishindi Urantungalag of Mongolia is somebody who's been on my radar for a long time. She's performed very well at many Asian events. And so I was not surprised to see her win a slot for Tokyo 2020, Tom. Um, there's been progress there. And I think that just like we've seen with Bangladesh and a few other places, um, you know, Mongolia has had some strong shooters. And I think that, uh, you know, she'll, she'll perform well when she gets to Tokyo. Yeah, and okay, uh, uh, like I said before, they, they were the, uh, the team that took out Korea uh, at the Asian Games uh, now three years ago. Yes. So uh, in the mixed team, uh, they could be a pretty strong team. Uh, it will be interesting. I, I counted, and if I'm not mistaken, there is going to be 27 mixed teams in, in uh, Tokyo. 
Uh, only the top 16 will compete in the actual mixed team competition. But those 16 teams will be very close. Uh, it's no doubt that this will be, on day one of the games, a very exciting competition. Absolutely. Looking at the men's side, um, a little bit of history being made, um, but kind of, sort of. I mean, Israel has qualified its second archer, but the first one to actually be able to go to the games. Um, Itai Shani advanced to the quarterfinals, which was enough for him to secure a quota slot for Tokyo 2020. Now, the headlines that I've seen around the world about this story say first Israeli athlete to qualify for the Olympic Games in archery, but that's really not true. If I recall correctly, Guy Matskin, his coach, in fact, uh, was able to qualify for the London Games, but because of uh, internal requirements in Israel was not allowed to participate. Do I have that right? Absolutely. And actually, <laughs> the first thing I did after uh, uh, his, his pupil qualifier was to go to see Guy and say, okay, Guy, are they going to accept it this time? And he said, yes. I was just on the phone with the Secretary General and yes, they will accept. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's it's got to be a little bittersweet for the coach, but I think that uh, it's it's great news for Israel and, uh, you know, this 22-year-old being able to shoot in Tokyo, representing his country for the first time in archery at the Games. Uh, it was not an easy match. Um, he had uh, a tough match against uh, Senna Rus from Belgium. Um, and, you know, it was uh, another tight match with uh, Alan Rimar of Croatia. So he earned it, but it wasn't easy to get there. No, well, <laughs> none of the matches were easy. We've seen uh, so many uh, interesting matches and, uh, and tight matches. And uh, yeah, well, it's, it, is, it is what it is. Uh, it's, it's match play. And uh, it's not a question of being the, having the highest score. It's a question of shooting the tens when you need them. As we've absolutely seen from both the qualification rounds and the resulting matches taking place. By the way, the quality of the matches and um, you know, the video images, really good. Uh, for this event and uh, still there on YouTube for those of you who have not seen some of the action from Paris uh, on World Archery's YouTube channel uh, here in the United States and some other sources uh, in, in some other places, but generally speaking, available on YouTube. Um, seven European countries have won those last recurve men's quota places. So Finland, Hungary, Israel, as mentioned, Moldova, Poland, Russia and Ukraine both of which uh, did not manage to make team qualifications for the men. Uh, they will now be sending individual archers to Japan. So in the case of uh, most of those kind of, some of those countries, they'll also have a chance at the mixed team event. Uh, Russia's Galsan Bazazarpov won the quota tournament. He beat Dan Oluru uh, in a four set final. And uh, that gave him a, a valuable uh, boost going into Tokyo. Um, so, you know, those countries have always been, you know, with a couple exceptions, of course, those countries have always been kind of fixtures at the games and a little surprising maybe uh, in my mind to see, uh, for example, Poland and Russia and Ukraine not have full teams, but uh, hey, you know, the second chance is really important and we will see them in Tokyo. Yeah, there's no certainties anymore. And uh, I think that, uh... Uh, well, uh, look at the Italian men's team. The Italian men's oh, team has yeah. medals, except uh, Rio, but has been in Rio as well. And and 
uh, as medal since 1996, uh, Olympic champion in, in London, uh, multi medalist, uh, and 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 the, and now uh, well they have one spot. Uh, so luckily they also have the women's team. So for the mixed team it, it looks good as well. But uh, it it is it, it was an amazing. Uh, set of matches on uh, on Saturday and uh, a lot of the, the teams, I, the, the two teams that everyone was expecting uh, to do well and in the end didn't was Spain, both men and women, and then and then India for the women. I, it's it's amazing. It's it's it is uh, well today again in the in the World Cup uh, qualification <laughs> they're the second highest ranked team and, and they're not going with the team. Yes, it's, it is a remarkable thing. And you just touched on the next topic, which is the fact that the World Cup continues as we speak. In fact, arrows are being shot as you speak to me right now for the recurve men. Recurve women shot their qualification round earlier in the day. And to your point, Mexico took the top slot for qualification in the women's recurve category. India was second after having, I would say inexplicably, but having unexpectedly gone out relatively early in the team qualification for the Olympic Games. And then Germany is third, Russia fourth, Belarus fifth, France number six, Turkey number seven. Rounding out the top eight was the United States of America, who I imagine are a little emotionally drained after finally making it <laughs> over well, that. And, uh, and, and the match, I, if, if you want to see an exciting match, uh, please go and watch uh, the quarterfinal Turkey against the U.S., Yes. What a shoot off! I'm not going to tell the outcome because you won't go and watch. But what an outcome! And and uh, it's amazing what a few a few millimeters can make as a difference. I believe it was uh, called out as 2.7, and um, when I looked at it visually, my brain said three millimeters. It looks like three millimeters. I, I this is the truth. I really looked at it and said that looks like about three millimeters. But of course, it doesn't matter what you think when you see the image on TV. It's what the judge with the calipers has to say. So we'll just leave it at that. We will let our viewers, our listeners view that on World Archery's YouTube. It is one of the best few minutes of archery of the year. And I think that... Yeah, uh, the, the, the other match that was really uh, a very interesting match uh, to watch is, is Mexico against Indonesia. Yes, um, and and again that one went to a shoot off, and wow, I Mexico. Frankly speaking, if I would be Korea, I would watch Mexico. I would watch out for Mexico in Tokyo because the way those three ladies uh, got through it, and 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 the composure they had when it was necessary, um, it, it is going to be. The, the, the women's team competition will be open for a change. I completely agree with you, Tom. I really believe that uh, we saw brilliance from Mexico and a well-deserved victory in the uh, final outcome uh, in the team rounds. Uh, even though, you know, there's the, the real pressure match, of course, is that bronze medal match. Uh, anyway, we'll stop talking about it. Go watch after you get done with the podcast listeners, because it is, if you haven't caught it, it is some of the most spectacular archery you will see so far this year. Uh, speaking of archery, uh, we also have the World Cup taking place all week in Paris. Uh, the recurves have their qualifying rounds complete as we speak today, uh, about to complete for the recurve men. And tomorrow, qualification rounds for the compounds. 
very competitive compound season, Tom. And uh, World Cup finals is what is at stake for the archers here. We will uh, we'll try to do a wrap-up after the World Cup, if you have the time. But looking at the week ahead, I think we're, we're seeing some of the best um, competitive opportunities for compound shooters of the year, uh, with the exception, perhaps, of the World Championships and the World Cup final taking place in September. Uh, certainly, this is their time to shine. Yeah, and there is some that we haven't seen the rest of the year. Uh, it will be the, the one with uh, most participation in compound, so... It'll be interesting to see, and like I said, to to uh, watch what will happen at the World Champs afterwards uh, will be a good uh, indicator here. Yeah. Um, in the last podcast, Steve Anderson alluded to the fact that the turnout for Compound for this one would be stronger than uh, we've seen for the other World Cups now that uh, things are starting to normalize a little more as things go forward. So it has been a very good turnout uh, by by, you know, not necessarily by any standard, not necessarily by pre-COVID standards, but certainly from the standpoint of where things stand right now. We've got a lot of stars at this event, people like uh, Stefan Hansen, previous world champion, JP Bulch from France. Uh, we've got uh, Adam Ravenscroft from GBR. Uh, we're seeing uh, Henrik uh, Lupkman from Germany there. We've got a uh, strong team from India for the men. Strong team yeah, from the, the Indians, Islamic Republic uh, they were so. The Indians were so unlucky to not get to Guatemala because of one of their coaches testing positive at the airport and, uh, yeah. had to, and they had to stay home. Yeah, so they're, they're able to get to this one and that's, that's important because it could be their only shot at making uh, the World Cup final this year. Sergio Pagni is back. Uh, great to see him on the field of play. Of course, Mr. Perfect Mike Schlusser is representing the Netherlands. And, um, you know, we've got a number of other Great shooters. And of course, I'd, I'd call this an all-star USA team, Tom. Braden Galantine, mm -hmm. world champion. James Lutz, world champion. Chris Schaff, world cup champion. Rio Wild, uh, something like an eight-time world champion. So um, all eyes on the United States for the compound men. For the women, uh, Sarah Preels uh, has been shooting well this season. And she's representing Belgium. Uh, Sarah Lopez is back. Maybe not quite at the level that she was at before the pandemic, Tom. Uh, well, it's interesting to see. Uh, she she had uh, she was struggling with a bit of target panic in Guatemala. Uh, afterwards, uh, did quite well at at home in one of their competitions, and it will be interesting to see in what shape she is uh, here. Um, Sarah has nothing to prove. Uh, she's done it yep. all, uh, yep. but it's clear that if she wants to keep on track with with Brady, because. Uh, Really might 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 get one ahead of her uh, in Yankton if 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 Sarah doesn't qualify for the World Cup final in terms of yeah. number of victories. So so it'll be interesting uh, to see what happens. Well, she's there with a very powerful team, uh, the veteran Alejandra Uschiano, who uh, in some ways kind of was the um, the pathfinder for Sarah Lopez. Uh, Alejandra has been around for quite a while and had shot, shot at the very highest of levels. And then Nora Valdez, kind of a, an emergent uh, great archer from Colombia, uh, who's done quite well in the World Cups so far this season. And then there's Tanya Galantine from Denmark. She's uh, the sole archer from Denmark, but she's been on a roll, and I'm sure she's looking to repeat her accomplishments of the past two World Cups uh, with her podiums. Uh, we've got uh, archers such as 
Elisa Rohner and Marcella Tonioli of Italy. Uh, Marcella, of course, uh, world championship gold medalist. She's been around for quite a while. Uh, we saw her with a great performance in Torino all the way back in, in uh, 2010. Natalia Avdieva, world champion from the Russian Federation, joined by the powerful Victoria Baltanova, Toya Ellison of Slovenia, Linda Ochoa Anderson, Paige Pierce, Alexis Ruiz, and Savannah Vanderweer, another all-star USA team on the women's side. So we are going to see some quality archery from the compound women. Yeah, and, 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 and let's not forget Andrea Marquez from Spain, uh, who uh, is definitely uh, on the... The right track as well, and uh, and we'll see also the two Estonian uh, women we saw very much in the Indoor World Series, Yatma and and Pass, uh, and yes. uh, they could also be uh, definitely challengers for the podium. In the case of uh, the recurves, of course, uh, you know there's a there's a little bit of uh, a mix here. We've got the very best of the best from the standpoint of uh, who showed up for Paris. Korea is not here. So we don't get to see we don't get to see a preview, Tom, uh, outside of Asia, of what the Korean team may be bringing. Uh, of course, the host country Japan is not is not at this event either. Uh, Mongolia is there, Philippines, a few other countries from Asia, but not those standouts. And I think that uh, we're just going to have to wait for July twenty second to see what the Koreans bring to the field of play. So as we uh, continue with the World Cup this week, you can follow the results live on World Archery's partner in SEO, IANSEO.net, where the results system uh, will show you the up-to-the-minute results for the World Cup. There is going to also be coverage via video for the finals. Is that right, Tom? Absolutely. Saturday and Sunday, Saturday compound, Saturday, Sunday, recap, Sunday. So we'll be, uh, as uh, it's been the case for this season, so we'll have the morning, the gold matches for the teams, and then uh, the mixed team bronze and gold matches. And then the afternoon, we start with the uh, uh, semis of the uh, women, followed by bronze and gold, and then the same for the men, uh, Saturday, compound, Sunday, recurve. So another exciting weekend of archery ahead. A lot has been accomplished in the last few days. All 128 quotas have been awarded for the Olympic Games. and The nations need to now choose which archers will fill those places. In some cases, we know who those are going to be. In others, it might come down to the very last minute before a country makes a decision. There is a deadline, of course, uh, for the purpose yeah, of organization. The 5th of July is the absolute deadline. Uh, we still have a few uncertainties on, on certain places. Uh, they have been awarded, but... There might be a few coming back. Uh, we are, we, we're aware of a, a legal challenge in New Zealand at the moment for the women. And uh, we also have two of the African archers, the one, the men athlete from Chad, uh, and also the, the women from uh, Ivory Coast that still have to show proof of the minimum qualification score. If they don't get it by Sunday, then I'm afraid that those places will also be read. Uh, attributed to other uh, archers that have obtained those scores. So there is, I would say, out of the 128, 125 are as good as sure, and the three remaining ones will be known by uh, mid of next week. So in the case of um, 
on this ongoing saga with New Zealand, uh, we know that one of their slots was given up. The other one wasn't mentioned. Um, so it appears that there's some sort of a legal dispute within New Zealand uh, uh, involving the right of the athlete to, to go to the games. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, especially uh, uh, the men athletes had absolutely the level to compete, but I, it's as it is, it's the choice of the, the National Olympic Committee to decide to send people or not. But uh, he definitely had his place. And uh, I would say uh, we've seen things like that in the past as well. Uh, but uh, if you obtain a place, you should be able to defend your chances. And, and, and they were really unlucky. They couldn't show their performance outside of their country because of COVID. And uh, I'm, I'm sure that, that made a huge difference because otherwise uh, he would have been able to show his level uh, which is around 670. So it's not, it's not a beginner. It's not that someone who would have been uh, uh, in the bottom of the ranking. He would have been among the, the first half for sure. Well, we'll see how that shakes out. So there's potentially three places that are uncertain at this time, hopefully for the, for the sake of those shooters that can get their MQS uh, in the two cases. And uh, maybe hopefully we'll see a positive outcome in the other case, but uh I kind of doubt it, given the given the circumstances in New Zealand right now. We'll see what happens. Uh, so uh, a lot has been accomplished, a lot still ahead. There is a absolute metric ton of work to be done between now and the arrival of the athletes in Japan in the next few weeks. Uh, we'll stay up to date with the latest developments, uh, some positive, by the way. Uh, we're seeing rumbles that they're may very well be spectators at the games. There's been it some is guidelines confirmed. published. It is, it is confirmed. The decision was taken two days ago. So in archery, we'll have around 2,700 spectators. It's 50% of the capacity. And um, uh, the maximum will be 10,000. So for archery, it will be quite good because uh, it, half of the capacity will give uh, an, uh, a feeling of the stadium being uh, quite well filled. Uh, but 10,000 in the Olympic Stadium will look quite empty, I'm afraid. Yes, but, uh, you know, hey, something is better than nothing. And, you know, a few months ago, Tom, we were staring down the barrel of nothing. And now things Absolutely. are moving forward Yeah, and in, in a positive way. Of course, um, you know, a lot of restrictions. I, I've read the documents that have been issued. The last revision of the so-called playbook, the document for people who will be attending the games, the officials, the athletes, the uh, uh, the workforce. And uh, this is a highly restrictive atmosphere that will be at the games for the protection of everyone involved. Uh, understandable under the circumstances. Uh, what's heartening. Yeah, is I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which, which, which person came up with that term playbook because there's not a lot of play to it. There's uh, none. <laughs> it should have been called the restriction book instead. But uh, anyway, uh, yes, it is going to be tough. I, for the ones that are here in Paris, they already have a, I would say, a preview to it because here in Paris as well, it's venue and hotel and that's it. There is no possibility to go anywhere outside and the same will apply in Japan. And also we have here a regular testing uh, for some athletes, even daily testing, as will be the case in, uh, in, in, in Japan. And it, it, it's not going to be easy, but it's, it's for the athletes going uh, in the end, it's worth it and, and they will... Uh, have their their time on television in front of uh, the resident public in Japan, and uh, 
in the end, we'll have five gold medalists and, and, and a lot more new Olympians. Yes. And in fact, I made that exact comment to a friend of mine, uh, a coach here in the United States the other day, who was kind of saying that uh, it's a shame that their Olympic experience will not be, well, for a lot of these shooters, it's their first Olympic experience. And it's going to be uh, maybe less than ideal. But at the end of the day, we'll have 10 new Olympic champions you know, with, a, with a mixed team having been added. And nobody is going to care that they had to wear a, a smartphone all the time and, and track their movement and that kind of thing, because they're going to be, they will have had the experience of becoming Olympians. And uh, that is priceless. And I want to thank you and the staff of World Archery for the hard work you've all done behind the scenes, Tom, to make this situation that we have now possible. Because without the effort of everyone from the president to you, to the judges and everyone else involved at WA, uh, we would not be in this position right now to have uh, an Olympic Games in the next month. And I think that that is a testimony, testimony to the resilience of our sport that we've come through this situation uh, with such a good result. Absolutely. And I'll pass on the message to, to everyone involved because it's definitely a teamwork. And, uh, and, and, and it's a team, uh, like you say, judges, staff, and, not, and the most important, of course, the athletes. So, Steve, uh, not exactly party central in Paris with with this week, you know, the, the full on lockdown situation, which you know, again, admittedly is pretty good practice for what the athletes who are going to Tokyo are going to have to deal with. But uh, they don't even have an open bar in the hotel. Did you know that? Well, that shouldn't matter because according to World Archery Rules, you can't uh, partake from the time official practice starts until the medal matches are concluded. That's true, but uh, even I think if you're that, not competing anymore, yeah, I, I guess you're right. But you know, traditionally, people like, let's say, you know, not the photographer because he doesn't he doesn't drink, but uh, you know, some staff people, shall we say, would traditionally have a beer at nine in the evening or whatever as a reward for the weekend's hard work, and they can't the non competitors, yeah, the non competitors, yeah, right. competitors. Absolutely, you're right, but you know, non competitors. You know, even judges, maybe. Well, no, I guess I, I have never seen judges drink either. But, you know, I, you can't get a drink. And it's it's freaking France, dude. It's France. Come on. But anyway. Anyway. Some, somebody else who has absolutely every right to pop open a beer is arguably the happiest man in our sport. Do you know who that is right now? I'm going to guess Rod Menzer right now. Rod Menzer, what an accomplishment. For the first time in 18 years, the United States has full teams at the Olympic Games. You've got to be thrilled. I'm very thrilled. Um, you know, everybody has worked so hard, and with all the craziness of the past almost two years, right, it's – it's. Um, I'm just beyond thrilled. Um, I keep – I don't know. I can't stop smiling. It's just – it was – the way the teams um, shot, the way they came together, I saw it at the trials. Um, I could see the strength of the teams that we were putting together um, that were being created, I should say, by the incredible archers shooting, right? And um, I knew that we we didn't just have a chance, that, that we should do what we did this weekend. And they went out and did it in a very, very exciting, fun a wonderful way. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and at times for us fans, a little scary, but uh, for oh, sure yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a test by fire for 
for Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Musino yep. Fernandez, because yeah. I mean, what a, what a way to start your archery career internationally, <laughs> you know, going to the final qualifying yeah. tournament for the Olympic games. And then this upcoming week, the world cup. Yeah. But, but you know, she, she had George, um, her teammates there who, who were great uh, with her and, and the coaches. And, yeah. um, you know, if, if anybody, you know, I got to see her, you know, multiple trials and, and other events and she, you know, kind of do the same thing. She's very disciplined. So she's drawn back and something doesn't feel right. She lets down and it get, you know, and she takes the deep breaths and, and does that. She does that kind of, you know, in a lot of matches and a lot of stuff. When she really wants something, she visualizes it and, and, and makes it happen. And, you know, I know the the commentators were making me more nervous watching her, but you know, she's, she's solid and there's no question about it. And absolutely uh, teammates were, were so supportive and you could really see that. Absolutely. Steve Anderson has made the point that Jennifer would have been our very top woman uh, just not a few years <laughs> yeah. ago, just a few years yes. ago. And yeah, you know, the fact that we've developed some depth is a testimony to the, um, shall we say, the persistence of yeah. the effort yeah. and also the fact that you've got, you know, some some great specialists at the Olympic Training Center who are, you know, helping to develop these shooters. One of those was on the yep. field with the team, and that was uh, Chris. Uh, yeah, Chris Webster, and, yeah. You know, Chris Webster has just, uh, I think, <laughs> turned into a great coach and he really oh, yeah. showed his stripes, um, you know, helping yeah. the women keep it together and, and, and uh, just as much a part of the team, I think as anybody. Absolutely. I mean, you got, you get the legendary coach in, in coach Lee and, sure. and he's, he's put in a lot of work with all the athletes too. And Chris has really spent a lot of time um, as coach, you know, again, when you have two teams and they're both shooting at the same time, you, you know, they kind of, um, separated their duties, shall we say. And, and Chris has worked um, really heavily with, uh, with some of the ladies and, um, you know, and it, it was just, it was nice, you know, you could hear him in the back and he was just, he's, you know, he's very calm and, um, you know, does what the girls need. Um, you know, it was just a, just a really good influence on him at that event. One of the things that I thought was really good was the strategy of running Mackenzie Brown as the uh, lead yep. shooter. The kind yeah. of, you know, with McKenzie's ability to deliver tens and shoot high numbers, I think that was a great idea. Then you put Jennifer in the middle, which is a great place for somebody who is still getting used mm -hmm. to high pressure at yeah. tournaments. And it gave her that cushion. And then you put in Casey, who can deliver under pressure, time pressure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and she can and, shoot really fast if she needs exactly, to. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, but you know, again, Mackenzie's shot timing is, is fantastic right now. She is making such wonderful shots um, as, you know, she's really come on over this past year and a half, really just, I mean, really, really accelerate her pace. Uh, Casey continues to just drive and get better and better. Um, you know, what, what else is there to say about Casey and, and just what she does, you know, and then Jennifer just kind of just jumping right in and going with the girls, um, you know, and, and just making just a solid team. Um, yes. so yeah, it, it's been, you know, the, the, both the men's and the women's teams, they were in France, um, at a training camp, um, you know, getting over the jet lag and, and practicing and, and the coaches had them changing orders a lot, you know, different order for different people to really see what order actually worked the best for the teams. Because sometimes George, and you know, this from your competition days, you know, there's some people who are like, oh, I want to shoot first or I want to shoot last. But in reality, they're better in a different position. 
and sure. they just perform better or, or whatever. So, you know, the, the coaches literally were, you know, they, they shot them in all different orders. They, they compiled, saw all the scores were going, the dynamics, and that's the team that came out. And, and I agree with you. I think it couldn't have been better. I mean, I think that was really solid, you know, McKenzie get up there and, um, you know, just stone one in the middle just to set the tone, you know, and, and it was no different for the, for the boys, you know, with, uh, with Brady just leading off and, and just shooting so solid. And well, to be honest, the whole team did. I mean, <laughs> yes, they did. Yes, they did. <laughs> it was, it was, it was just wonderful to watch both teams and, and shoot wonderful scores. And to be honest, they should have both taken a gold, but Mexico just, just literally, they won. They, you know, the, the ladies didn't shoot bad in that gold medal match. Mexico just shot really, really well. You know, I get um, it for bragging points for sponsors and things like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. our team won the gold medal at the FQT, but at the end of the day, uh, it's the bronze <laughs> medal match that people are paying attention to at that thing, because, you know, exactly. once, you've, once you've made it to the finals, uh, you're, you're in and, and yep. what a big relief for you and yeah, for USA and, archery. And, yeah. You know, in those quarters, you know, 2.9 millimeters, George. Oh yeah. I know. Um, and by the way, I, 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 called it, I visually looked at it and I went, that's three millimeters. And I, I, I don't, not, not, you know, <laughs> sorry, not to brag, but you know, I've looked at a lot of these kinds of shoot offs before. Right. And yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've seen the vast majority of arrows in person at most Olympic games since, you know, 1992. So I've got a little yeah. expertise in being able to spot that stuff. I had to look <laughs> twice, but I was absolutely sure it was, it was closer. And I was hoping that the judge would see it the same way. Cause man, I would, <laughs> I would not have wanted to see another shoot off in that circumstance. Oh no, no, not at all. But um, you know, it worked out to our favor. Um, and um, you know, Mackenzie's nine was there. So oh, yeah. it yeah. was just, it was just uh it was, it was a really good thing and it was fun to, I was dying. I mean, I was dying. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I was texting the coaches and I was asking them if they could hear me um, over there in France because I was yelling at the TV so loud. Yeah, you know, the dogs yeah. were hiding under the table and my wife was shaking her head. And, <laughs> you know, and I was just, uh, you know, cheering and, and, and just screaming encouragement and just, uh, you know, I was going berserk. I was sweating. I was, it was so much, it was so much fun to, to watch them perform and show everybody what they can do. And I said this before um, you and I talked at the Olympic trials and I said, this is the strongest two teams we've ever had. Yes. And I truly honestly believe that we've had great teams in the past. Yes, we really have, but I don't think we've ever had two teams of this caliber as far as depth goes, you know, we've always had at least one really, really good shooter and, and, and um, you know, on our teams, but, I mean, we're just solid all the way through now. So I'm really looking forward to, to Tokyo and to the world championships and, and to be honest, this world cup here, you know? Yeah. So this world cup will be another really good experience. I think in particular for Jennifer, because it's another yeah. opportunity to shoot under pressure, shoot against, exactly. you know, foreign athletes who she hasn't come up against before, but now, you know, she, she understands she's joined the ranks of the dragon slayers and Absolutely. you know it's it's one of those situations where it's only going to make the whole team stronger as they test out their techniques and uh are you going to have the uh the mixed team selected for tokyo based off of casey and and uh, brady how's that work rod Do you um, know how, how they're doing that yeah so it's basically coach's decision um so I, I thought coach, so That's coach what Lee's I thought. decision um at the time however um, I would assume um, that it'll probably be, you know, the 
the top qualifiers. Um, but it is yeah. coach's decision if for some reason uh, the pairing, and, and again, this is something that um, they're going to work on. They're going to go over to Tokyo prior um, in a camp and they're going to work on a shooting mixed team uh, together. Uh, the different people, um, all, all, you know, all the Olympic team members, um, just kind of all different orders and, and seeing who actually performs the best together. Because sometimes you may have the two best shooters may not be literally the two best, you know, people for the team. Sure. Um, and it and may also be the you, case where somebody, you know, yeah. might need something that might disagree with them might, you know, I mean, there's it, a lot exactly. of contingencies that you've got to watch out for in a situation like this. Exactly. What, so they're going to do a lot of practicing around that. Um, but you know, we've really seen, you know, this, this team together, both the men's and women's team have been training hard and, uh, great dynamics. And, and so I, I have a feeling that they're all going to be really good together and it'll, you know, it'll be a very tough decision if it's not those two qualifiers to, to change it. But I don't mean to give short shrift to the men because we talked about the women quite a bit here and, yeah. and I don't want to take up a lot of your time because I know how busy you are, oh, you know, how crazy things right. are, but yeah. Um, the men, I mean, what a great performance all the way through, uh, really starting out, <laughs> yeah. you know, strong and staying strong all the way through. This is the A team. These guys oh, are absolutely. the real deal. Absolutely. I, I was pretty stunned when I saw the world archery article about favorites for the final qualifier and they didn't have the U S men listed. I did. And, and, and I was, I was just kind of like, wow, were you guys not paying attention to our trials? I did. And, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and I was just, uh, you know, and I know the team saw it. The team saw it. They texted me, they saw it. And, and uh, it just added a little extra fuel um, to that fire for those guys. And, um, you know, they just, they shot great, you know, um, it, it's, it's wonderful. You know, you look at the scores, like, you know, their last scores, I mean, it was, it was, the 340, right? Yeah. And you're yeah. shooting out as a team. That's solid. You know, that's this is phenomenal. And just look at, you know, how they closed it out, you know, I mean, 59. It's hard to beat that, right? So absolutely. Um, but they're they're just that's a solid, really good team. And you know, I mean, Jack is has really again developed and, and become even better. And Wookie has made, you know, just a wonderful comeback. He's worked really hard. And, uh, you know, he's planning on sticking around for a couple more years. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how all that continues to roll, even going into Paris. So Wookie um, is a team round shooting machine. He, <laughs> he, he is practically back over the line before the arrow hits the target. He does not <laughs> waste is, a moment for the team. He's it awesome. is, it is awesome. I mean, it really is. Cause he, you know, his process is slower and, you know, as far as getting back to full draw and anchoring, you know, he's not a, he's not fast. Um, you know, he take, he really is very deliberate in what he does, but he makes up for it getting off the line. There's no question yeah. about that. But and he it also, was just amazing. He delivered you know? plenty of tens. I mean, really. Yeah. You know. the, the, the faster he got off the line, George, it seemed the more it was in the middle. And yeah, it almost became you know, part of his follow through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was great to see, you know, Brady shoots that, what was arguably, you know, what you would call a dead center 10, right. On the sure, very sure. last end and Wookiee sticks one even tighter, like literally on the center of the, of the spider, right. The yeah. center of the cross. Um, and it was just, it was great. Um, but yeah, he's just solid there. And then Jack just goes up and, um, you know, and it helps Jack being at the end because sometimes he wants to get a little long too. And, and when he gets his timing, right, it's, I mean, you don't even have to look, you can see it. Um, 
you can see it in his shot and the quality of his shot that man it's it's in the middle and yeah i've been watching it was, jack, just, it was great <laughs> i've been watching jack develop for the last four years or so and yeah he's just getting stronger and stronger and he's such a calm guy he and, is and and, and has is. such a great demeanor they all do um you yeah. know i mean yeah. if you take those three guys and if you need somebody to keep you calm in the middle of an earthquake, I'll bet those would be three guys that would really be a good choice. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're yeah, so no, good. No doubt. No, I, I, I've, <laughs> I agree with you, George. I mean, it was, it was really fun to watch and I encourage anybody who didn't get a chance to see it, to go on YouTube and to look up those matches and, and watch those final qualifiers for both the men and the women. Yep. They're all there on exciting. All there on World Archery's YouTube channel, and exactly. um, they are, you know, from beginning to end. Um, you may yeah. may want to, uh, you know, watch those again just for getting tips on technique because there were some stellar moments there from the standpoint of execution under pressure. Watch those, both the American men and women, to get good examples. Yep. In my opinion, yep. well, you could um, you could hear you could never did anybody. At all. I mean, you could hear them, George, and never did anybody say shoot a 10 or shoot a nine or just hold gold or no, nothing like that. It was all literally about form, right? And yep. that trust the shot, trust the process. And any, exactly. Anybody who wants to be good at archery, whether it's compound or recurve, watch those two teams and watch what they were focused on and, and hear what the coaches were saying, hear what the other archers were saying. And it was all about technique and, and the quality of the shot. Just make a good, strong shot. And, you know, it was going to take care of itself. And that's exactly what you do under pressure is you focus on that shot. Well, you're going to no. shake, right? You're you, going to shake yeah, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, just, but just follow through to the middle and, um, you know, make a great technique shot and it'll take care of itself. And Rod, you know, let's face it, you know, this personally as world champion yeah. of 2008, <laughs> uh, that's exactly yeah. the process you had to go through. Absolutely. And, Yep. You know, um, so you speak from experience on this and, and I think that, uh, people should listen because it's so important to stay in the process, stay in the moment and and not worry about the outcome just because if you execute a good shot, you're going to get that result. It's going to yeah, come with ab it. Absolutely. And, and you'll see this with the greatest archers all the time. If you'll hear the interviews afterwards and, and they always talk about literally making their best shot and it, they'd never talk about, okay, you know, when they needed to have a 10 or you need to have an X, um, you focus on that shot. And so many people today um, focus on the results and they get caught up in the results and it affects their shot. And then they start chasing themselves and they see their, their performance in events actually be worse than practice. And in reality, um, when you've got everything going in the right focus and you're really, really concentrating hard that a high end competition brings, you should be shooting as good or better than you shoot in practice, you know? And and that is why world records are set. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And, and yeah, people, you know, it's hard to do, but if you can do it, it's, um, it, it'll, it'll work for you. Let me just put it that way. There's a the true couple secret of things. To archery. Absolutely. It is. Absolutely. Yep. It is. And I think that uh, <laughs> we saw examples as well of people who didn't or couldn't do that under those kinds of circumstances. And, Yes. You know, unfortunately that cost them. And, um, yep. yeah, I hope that, you know, everybody grows every time they go through something like this. And I believe that we'll see stronger shooters from other countries as well. After these experiences, uh, losing is an important part of winning. And, um, it is, you know, fortunately you know, there this were, time, you know, there were a lot of great teams 
that didn't there earn were. their spots. There were. Um, Columbia came to mind as, as one of those that I was kind of, you know, thinking, yeah, yeah. they've got potential. I mean, there were lots. Uh, India was kind of a shock for a lot of people not not being able to advance. I oh, mean, absolutely. You know, very no, talented. No team. question. That, that's and a big shock for everybody. And, it, you know, you look at, I mean, geez, you know, from Germany to Russia on the men's side to right. you know, Spain, right? And you look, you look at the amount of really, really good teams that, that don't get to play. Remember, there's only 12, right? 12, 14. Right. And it, it, that means there's always going to be those upsets. There's always going to be things like that that happen. Um, but at the same time, you know, all you can do is, is, is go out there and, and learn from it, like you said, and just drive it to make yourself better. And I yeah. think that's exactly what, you know, the, the guys and girls did from the world championships, you know, when they didn't get their slots initially, you know, they were just, they used it as fuel and, um, you know, and it paid off. It's interesting that um, you brought up the subject of the team kind of paying attention to social media and what WA was saying and articles and things. I, I, if I were the coach, I'd forbid them to look at any of that stuff myself. I mean, that's, yeah, but that's just me, you know? Yeah. You know, you, you can't tell the kids to do that anymore, George. No, They're always no, going to be looking, no. especially when they're no. sitting locked up in a room, right? In the bubble. Right. Um, they're going to be out there, but they just used it very differently. You know, they were all like, oh, really? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, and, and, and it was, you know, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to fire your belly, um, you know, that, that was a good thing. But, you know, it was, there were so many great teams, and I don't blame them for not listing us there, but, um, I did. I, I don't know surprised. if it, I don't know if it made it to the article, but you know they did one of these expert roundtable things. So they interviewed me and a bunch of other people, and I absolutely <laughs> mentioned USA. So you know, <laughs> I feel vindicated. I'm batting yeah, about I'm, six. I'm batting about six fifty this season. Not not as good as as usual, but uh, hey, that's pretty good. That's not too bad. Yeah, well, if it were baseball, it would be really good, but uh, not not when you're an archery <laughs> prognosticator. Um, I got yeah. a question for you, Rod. Uh, as sure. the CEO of USA Archery, I, I would see this as a great opportunity to seek non-endemic sponsorship or to Absolutely. you know use that. I mean, you've got yeah. a great image team here, not just great oh, performance-wise, yeah. but they're all such a great image. Um, yeah. Is it possible that that this will open some doors for USA Archery to? reopen some relationships outside the archery industry and start to look at opportunities. Absolutely. Matter of fact, um, just recently, you know, we had, uh, you know, Zenny Eyewear um, come on board. Um, Hyper Ice came on board, Um, you know, Sitka, which is not uh, what you would consider to be a normal um, archery industry, Zero Shoes. uh, They came on board. Uh, so we have made some good inroads um, this year on non-endemics, or what I would consider to be non-traditional, you know, partners. Um, but but yes, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll get more uh, folks like that interested, and um, you know we can see you know try and get some growth um, around it. So that would be fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm seeing some of these on. If you go to the USAarchery.org website and scroll to the bottom, you'll see the yep. list of sponsors there. And, uh, you know, they include the usuals, you know, the, the Easton's and black Eagles and yep. Lancaster's and Hoyt's and Matthew's and, you know, that sort of thing. 
But you've also got, yeah. you know, Bass Pro Shop and Vortex yep. in there and yep. SKB, Absolutely. the case company. And you mentioned the right. shoe company, Zero Shoes. United yeah. Airlines, of course, uh, which is, you know, that's in kind mostly, but yep. there's that. DeVry University, too. Yeah. A lot of yeah. athletes, have, a lot of our top athletes have taken advantage of the free education that they that they qualified for from DeVry. Um, and it's yeah. fantastic. So, and Sitka is yeah. a big deal. I mean, Sitka is huge in it the outdoor is. space. So it is. Um, I mean, if you if you saw, I mean, when the award ceremony came out, what were the men wearing? They were wearing Sitka rain gear, USA Archery Sitka rain gear. Um, yeah. You know, to get their medal because it was raining again. And, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it, it is great to get partners like that. Um, you know, that are willing to you know really step up and 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 partner with USA Archery and our teams. So Yeah, but you know, fantastic. back in our time, Rod, when we were competing actively, <laughs> um, we had sponsors like John Hancock Insurance and, yeah, you know, yeah. large firms, right? I mean, yep, we're talking yep. mega corporations. And I'm just wondering, you know, I, I know since 2008, it has been such a struggle for any entity like USA Archery yep. or USA Soccer or USA any rugby, yep. any NGB right. has had a huge, huge uphill battle trying to get that kind of, of backing because that was one of the first things to get cut when yep. there was the financial crisis of the 2008 timeframe. But Correct. with yep. the situation as things stand now, um, ongoing work, right? You've got people at USA yep. Archery working on this kind of thing to try to advance uh, your position, right? Correct. Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, it is, it is difficult, um, you know, George, for all NGBs and USA Archery is, is right there with them. I mean, you're seeing a lot of those big corporations really partnering more with the USOPC, um, you know, with NBC, you know, those, those folks because of the, the broadcasts and everything. Sure. Else. And there's and, some trickle down from that. I get Exactly. That, there's, there's, there's some, yep. Uh, but it is great to get people like Zenny and, you know, Hyper Ice and, and Sitka and Cabela's Bass Pro, you know, and, and those folks that literally just came to us wanting to do some things. And we've got a few others that, that we're talking to right now, and hopefully they're going to, um, they'll come on board. Um, so it'll be, it'll be really nice if they do, um, but they are non-endemic sponsors as well. So I'm working real hard on trying to do that as we're trying to get our teams and everything else squared away. But of course, um, it's, uh, I hope people are paying attention to just the quality of the people uh, the quality of the organization and the sport um, and how awesome the sport is and, and what you can do with it, um, you know, and, and realize that it's, a, that, you know, it's really something that's good for their business. So, well, membership has grown and, oh, yeah. you know, yep. the, the structure of USA archery is, it's not the garage business that it was when you and I started, you know what I mean? Right. Literally. Right. I mean, you know, Clayton right. Shank literally ran it from a garage when you and I started out in our sport <laughs> and, 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 you know, people don't realize that. And, and it has yeah. become, it has become a, a powerful entity within the USOPC. And yep. I think that um, when we look at this, you know, we have to understand it is Americans, not America, not the government that send our Olympians to the Olympic games, unlike Absolutely. almost every other country, 166 countries, I would say yeah. probably 150 of those are paying their shooters a substantial amount or, you know, a, a living amount and oh, sending yeah. them. And, and we don't do that. We <laughs> no, just don't. No. It's not our, it's, it's not the American way. It hasn't been in the past, you know, uh, back in the days of places like East Germany, when they would, you know, they're basically professional athletes. Archers yep. today are, yeah, they're professionals, but they're, they're on their own. Brady sells, 
you know, all sorts of, 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 of gear to help support himself. And he's got relationships with his sponsors, but yep. he doesn't get money from the government. Americans no, send all Americans to the Olympic games. Correct. And, and I, th- I think when people see, you know, the, the U S Olympic community, they think it's government funded, right? Cause it's it has not the US in front and it's, and it's not, not a dime. Um, so it, it is, it is huge. Um, and, you know, we're trying to do more with, with donors and donations and, and I'll be honest, George, it's tough. It's very tough. Um, sure. It's even tough with our current membership to to get them to try and do additional pieces because they they look at, hey, I'm I'm part, you know donating by participating in all this, you know. Yeah, but they're not. They're not. They're not they don't else, understand right? that even though event fees are higher than they used to be, that it doesn't actually cover everything. In That's, you know. That is a fact. You know? I mean, it would be a lot more expensive to shoot tournaments if it was actually done as a for-profit enterprise, you know, from the standpoint yes. of, uh, you know, yeah, people yep. people might might resent $100 or $120 for an entry fee, but they're getting $300 worth of stuff out of it. And, they, you know, yeah. yeah. so, you know, it's hard to explain that to people. I mean, I get it. It, it, too. it is. It is. Well, we keep, we keep pushing the message and, and we, we do it at... Um, you know, our annual meeting every year, we, we share literally our financials all the way across, you know, um, both on the revenue side and the expense side, where are we spending it? And I think it's important for people to see that. And they see, you know, that, um, you know, 2019, for example, last normal year that we had, George, you know, our, our admin was 13%. Okay. Which is really, really low for any nonprofit. And And, and that shows that we're really good stewards of the money that we do get. Um, and we really try to spend, you know, I mean, as an NGB, George, you know this, we, we're, we're not just teams, okay? We don't just hold tournaments. You know, we, we are literally sending teams around the world and, and, and competing internationally. We're, we're literally doing grassroots development. We have the, the college programs or JOAB programs and the explore archery programs and and we do a lot of things to just try and grow the sport. So un- unlike, you know, other, to be honest, even other archery organizations that literally what they do is put on tournaments. Um, what we do is not only put on tournaments, but we fund teams internationally that fly the U S flag on their back and, um, and then try, you know, really put a lot of money into the grassroots portion of our, um, of our mission. So, mm-hmm. you know, those, those are things that, you know, I think, again, the more companies see that and the more they realize, and again, who archers are and what kind of a great sport it is, uh, the values that it brings you and, and the, the character that it creates as you participate, I think, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll see um, a little bit of an increase in, in that non-endemic side. And even on the endemic side, you know, there's still a lot of room on the endemic side uh, for people to get involved with USA Archery. Again, we're going to yeah, do- Yeah, there's plenty of other brands out there that don't yes. have as much involvement as they could. And I think that that is absolutely yes. something that uh, has an opportunity for, especially now, be, to be associated yep. with a team like this is a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No, no question about it. I mean, it just, uh, just watch it. All you got to do is just watch those matches and, and see the, the people, see the quality of the individuals we had there. And it was so exciting. Like I said, I-, I you know, when, when, for both of them, um, but especially when the ladies, um, you know, ended up, you know, getting their slots too. I mean, my phone just exploded and it was such yeah. a wonderful thing where people, you know, from literally around the world and, and the U S I mean, just were, were just so thrilled and so excited 
you know, and um, it was hard to even type back on my phone because I was shaking so much. Sure, <laughs> it was sure. Just adrenaline for excitement, you know. It, it was just just so much fun, and it's just great to see um, all the all their hard hard work that these athletes put in uh, pay off. I'll say this. I think that they've got an advantage going into this World Cup right now because they've got momentum. Yeah. They've got the, yes. the relief of the relief of, yeah. of knowing they're going to Tokyo is going yes. to energize them and, and they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be dangerous this upcoming week. Watch for it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think they will be. No question. Unless they're just kind of like mind blown, worn out, you know, but I, I don't I think so. You know, I think it'll be the other way around. I think they're going to just, it, it's going to feel much more relaxed than a normal world cup. Um, and they're just going to go out and just have a really, really good time. And yeah, um, I'll I, bet Kisik, I'll bet Kisik and Chris are going to need a, uh, a little <laughs> vacation after this. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think everybody's going to need some time off, but it, it's, it's been, it's been amazing, um, but it has been, as you know, an incredible challenge. And just to see how they've kind of come through all of that and see how they're performing is, again, truly an amazing thing. So, By the way, vindication, in my opinion, of the entire process of selecting yeah. the team, which was a lengthy yeah. process. It was it criticized was. by some. Yeah. But if you, you know, if you go back to 2004 and, and, and the way the team was selected in 2004 and what that led to, yeah. Uh, you've got to admit this protracted and difficult yeah. process, lots and lots of days of shooting, lots and lots of errors. Yeah. You yeah. cannot argue with the results. No, I, I think, you know, it was grueling and the athletes were very tired and you could see some of them by the, by the end of the process, um, they were fatigued and, sure. and that sure. was intentional um, because just the, just the, process of being at the Olympic games or competing at a world championship. Um, you know, even the, even the camp prior and the stress that that brings on your body, um, wears you out. So you may not be shooting a lot, but you feel even more tired. Right. And then of course, yep. jet lag and everything else. So it, it was intentional to make it difficult. The coaches wanted to see a, a very long, difficult, um, process that literally brought, to the forefront, literally those, those archers who could maintain high intensity focus through the entire thing. And, and there, I mean, it was so fun to watch the, the final eight on the men and women's side uh, compete uh, for those last few days of the trials, because boy, they, they were just, they were, you know, everybody was shooting good and, and shooting better than, than what they normally do, but that's what champions do, right? Those, yes. that is what we wanted in our final eight. We wanted literally it to be our best and most prepared athletes because immediately from those trials, you know, we're, where do we go? Final qualifier. And then the, uh, you know, we go to the Paris world cup and then pretty much heading over to Tokyo after about a 10 day rest at home, get to see family again and then they're they're off to Tokyo for the camp prior to the games and then the games. So, I mean, there's no time to waste and it's, it's grueling. Uh, so we needed to have those types of individuals and that's why that those trials were formatted. Now, will we make some changes to them? Absolutely. You know, we've already talked about, you know, with the coaches a, a little bit about some changes that they'd like to see made and, and we'll do different things, but overall um, it was successful. No question. It was successful. Well, I'll tell you this, you know, not just Tokyo is the focus, but 
only three years till Paris, only three Correct. years till the next Olympic games. And in between, Correct. of course, we've got Yankton uh, at the end yep. of this summer, uh, you know, for the world championships, uh, yep. the world cup final, uh, there's a world field next year. There's, there's so yeah. many things happening in a compressed time frame due to the yes. loss of the last 18 months you know, right. from a practical standpoint. Right. But, and I, I really look, you know, Tokyo, excuse me, Paris is going to be really interesting, George, because it um, we've got some young athletes coming up right now that yes. have a, a lot of talent and these veterans are going to have to continue to, to continue to improve. And to be honest, it's, it's funny to call people that are half your age, you know, old, um, but they're not, they're, they're in their prime and they're going to continue to fire away. And, but these youngsters are going to push them. They're going to push them really hard. And I, I see it only elevating us um, and making our teams better. Literally, um, you know, next year's world cup, the following year, the world championships, like you said, all the different events that we have going on, uh, we're going to continue to build. That's the plan from where we are now and uh, make us even better. Got to make it that pyramid nice to, wide. Correct. It, it was really nice to, you know, again, on the commentator, commentator side, um, I apologize. The, the young lady who was, who was on there. Um, uh, Nikki. Nikki. Yes. Thank Nikki you. Nikki Hunt, who was a yes. uh, world compound champion. Yeah. So, you know, Nikki, she, she recognized the depth of the U S team in reality. Mm -hmm. Right. And, it really was there. I mean, it was unbelievable. So really fun yeah. to see. Nikki's quite expert. She, uh, you know, she's been a recurve shooter uh, at a high level. She's uh, obviously been a, a world-class compound shooter. So yeah. she's a, she's a good asset for WA's uh, coverage and uh, she did a good job. The um, upcoming games are going to be, uh, you know, a thing for the history books. And I personally, yes. just between you and me and our listeners, I yeah. expect we're going to see some mixed team medals. We're going to see some team medals and we're going to see some individual medals. And uh, that's yes. all I'm saying about that. But uh, yes, yes. I what, think, a, what a great boost for our sport for, in the United yeah. States and around the world. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it, it's fun and it's wonderful. And I'm so excited for those teams, you know, I mean, they've worked so hard and to have that opportunity. Um, I feel for those countries that didn't make it, but um, I am grateful that we did. And, um, I'm just, I'm just thrilled. I'm still just giddy, George. I, I literally, I feel like I, I won the lottery a couple of days ago and it, then the very next day I won another one, you know, it's just kind of like, it's, I'm just, I can't stop smiling. I can't stop talking about it. I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And I, and it's only because again, I, I know what that means to them. And I, as an archer, I can feel it. I don't know if that, that may seem weird, but I know what it feels like. I know yeah. what it feels yeah. like to work really, really hard and accomplish a goal um, and a big goal. Right. And, and the feeling that you get afterwards, that satisfaction and, and, yes. and, and it is, it, I, I know that all of them are feeling that right now. And it's, it's something that again, just makes me smile because that's why we do what we do is to put smiles on our members and our art, our, our athletes, um, faces. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it just makes me really, really happy for them. If that's one of the goals, then absolutely mission accomplished, <laughs> my friend. Yeah. Thank you, George. It is for sure. Rod Menzer, CEO of USA Archery. I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. Uh, 
it's great that you are so busy right now because hopefully some of those incoming calls are from prospective <laughs> sponsors and and congratulations to you, to thank the USA Archery staff, to the coaches, and especially to our teams. Correct. I, I thank you very much, George. I greatly appreciate it. So it's interesting, you know, Steve, that uh, that Rod's point of view is that um, you know this is an opportunity, obviously, on many levels. First off, you know, you got a great, honestly, telegenic and interesting people on the team. So that's really helpful from a media standpoint. Second, I think, you know, besides the talent aspect, I think it'll help inspire people to get into the sport. I really do, especially on the women's side. Yeah. Um, yeah. First and foremost, yes, it is a, it is a good team that is, as you said, telegenic. They're not a bunch of weirdos and dorks. So that's good. Um, I sure hope, I sure hope the women have some success. First, I'd like to say I told you so that I knew they were going to kick butts. Yes, yes, you did. You told me so, and you deserve <clears throat> to tell me that you told me so because I was a little more skeptical than you. Here's my thought process on that. Casey's shooting 680s and junior world records and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> and Mackenzie's regularly beating her head to head when they are shooting here in the U.S. And then <clears throat> Jennifer, solid number three. She's shooting 640 type scores, which is probably in the neighborhood of where Mackenzie was in 2016 and probably would have made her our best archer in 2012. So I look I at it, I'm like, man, we got dispute any of that. Yeah. We got some competitiveness and she shot really well. She didn't, uh, she didn't leave the eight ring in, uh, in her, in their team matches there at the FQT. You know, the, uh, the men's team was left out of World Archery's prognostications for the event. I, I think I mentioned USA as a contender, but they actually edited out that comment that I made in that sort of roundtable discussion article that they always have before the events. Right. And it turns out um, that the boys <laughs> were a little fired up about that. They did not like the fact that WA was kind of discounting their chances. I would say winning is the ultimate retort yes it's always winning silences everything you know solves a lot it, of problems it sure does so we'll see what happens this week at the world cup it's going to be an exciting uh week of shooting recurve and and compound will both have their separate finals days which will be covered live on uh, youtube here in the united states on some networks around the world youtube everywhere else and we'll look forward to seeing, uh, hopefully, I, you know, I'm, I've got big hopes for the U.S. women's team this time around. They are an all-star team, just like the U.S. men's team. So I think, Steve, uh, there's some hope there that uh, Linda will be carrying some some extra metal in her bag back from Paris for you. Yeah, I expect them to shoot pretty well. Linda's been shooting well lately. Uh, Paige is always solid. Alex is always solid. Savannah's always solid. So they're they're probably going to win. Yep. <laughs> they yep. won the first two. I, I don't see a reason why they shouldn't win this one. You know. Well, we'll have a recap of uh, of that week when you get back from ASA. We'll have completed the World Cup as well, and, and that that'll be our next podcast. We'll have a a recap of what happened at at uh, Paris, and a look ahead at some things that uh, need to still be settled, like the situation with that minimum qualifying score that has to be done by Sunday for those two outstanding shooters who haven't scored those things 
or their Olympic slots get put back in the pool. So high pressure for a couple of shooters. We'll see how it turns out. Uh, it's always interesting looking at that. And then you find, like, you hear the stories about how that's played out in the past. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of interesting, those minimum qualifying scores. So there's a lot what, of pressure what, on everybody involved to make sure that score happens. That's for sure. What are the, yeah, everybody involved. What are the minimum scores? I think it was like 605 for women or something like that. And yeah, something odd, but you know, not, not unachievable by any standard of, you know, people that honestly, if you can't shoot those scores, honestly, don't, don't, don't get on an airplane to Tokyo. Sorry, but okay. no. Men's don't. around 640, women 605. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's, been, it's up from the last time. So yeah. Yeah, I remember, that's, that's a pair of 320s for Pete's sake. I remember one of the archers at the last Olympics was trying to attain the 605. And her dad told me she was, was uh, from another continent. They, they said she was shooting 660s in practice. And, um, you know, they had a one-off tournament. For her and her only, I think she attained the score with like a 620 or something and shot like a sub 600 in Rio. It's always interesting to see what uh, what gets reported versus what what their scores show for an entire year. You know, yeah, it's just or, it's or just after. like some of the it's just like some of the uh, stuff you see around the Vegas shoot. You know, you start seeing those Instagram grams of, you know, 59X, whatever. Yeah, and those people turn up in Vegas, and what do you see? Yeah, you see a lot of people talking thirty x games and this and that. And if you're posting thirty x practice scores, you're probably not doing it when it matters. It's what I've it's what I've just come to realize over the last ten years or so. Doers don't post. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Mike Schlosser told me he shot like fifteen thirty x games in a row, I'd believe him. Oh yeah, I would. <laughs> but. But he doesn't post people. stuff like that. He probably does it in practice all the time, but he doesn't post it up. You know? No, he's not ever going to. I've never heard him post a practice score. So then there's other right. people that if they, you know, if they post that they shot a 30X, I, I do not believe that for one second. So, well, you know, generally speaking, the ones we've seen that do that tend to be in the 15 range when they actually get to Vegas. So, right, right. That's our advice for the day. If you, uh, if you want to be somebody, don't put it on Instagram. That's good advice.